afternoon and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and uh, boy, are we in a crazy world today, folks. Uh, so much is going on, so much is happening, and uh, we really have got to bond together and stick together. And um, Before we get started, I just want to thank my uh, sponsor, uh, uh, magicfinancing.com. Magicfinancing.com. If you need a car, you need uh, uh, to finance a car, a brand new car, used car, go to these guys. They're the best. Uh, we've been going to them for years, my family and I, and they have helped us to get cars whenever we wanted them, sports cars, trucks, uh, and, you know, you name it, they have it. Uh, so ask for Maurizio and tell them you heard Charlie on the council and they'll they'll take care of you. So go to www.magicfinancing.com. Uh, today's show is about warriorhood and the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, we want to call to warriors during the global crisis. Uh, warriors are those sworn to preserve and protect. And warriors run into danger and in service to their people while others flee. And warriors are best suited to respond to times of crisis and threat because they've been trained for it. They have already served in the zones of hell, and their purpose is to serve and sacrifice for the good of others. And at the same time, because warriors have al already been exposed to violent threat, they are vulnerable to experience increased trauma and breakdown. Now, during these times of global crisis, we call upon our sisters and brothers to join us in our online gathering of warriors. And our purpose our purposes are to share and provide guidance and support to each other during these, time, these crisis times and to explore ways we can offer wisdom and service to our loved ones, communities, and world. Warriors are best in crisis. Warriors are needed more than ever. There is no external human enemy. We must unite to protect and serve our common humanity. Our online gathering will be co-facilitated by Dr. Ed Tick, and specialist in military, Violent and Global Trauma Healing, author of six books, director emeritus of Soldier's Heart, Inc., and myself, uh, Charlie Pacello, veteran healer, advocate, coach, teacher, and uh, humanitarian. Uh, they will be joined by elder warriors, all committed to healing service for all. So please email Dr. Tick or me to inform us of your interest. We will email you with information to join this gathering in the near future. Uh, Dr. Tick's email is dredtick at gmail.com. That's D-R-E-D-E-D-T-I-C-K -E uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I'll get that right again because I'm going to repeat it later for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, who will be tuning in later. And my email is charlespacello at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-E-S-P-A-C-E-L-L-O at gmail.com. Folks, at the beginning of March, uh, the United States had about 70 cases of the novel coronavirus spread throughout the country. Today, as of uh, April 3rd, what I last looked, the U.S. has 245,184 coronavirus cases, 6,088 deaths, and 10,403 recovered. The coronavirus cases around the world has exploded. And as of today, around the globe, there are 1,015,728 cases with 53,203 deaths 
212,991 recovered. And all the models and indicators point to the numbers to continue to exponentially rise. The next two to four weeks are really crucial. We already know the peak hasn't happened, and it's likely to happen soon. However, we have to do our part. We've got to do our part to keep those numbers down and prevent the worst-case scenario from happening. And the worst case is 2.2 million people dying just here in the United States. And keeping the numbers closer to 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. And these are sobering numbers. They're, they're sobering statistics. And they should make everyone think twice about doing things outside of what our governors and the president have recommended. Now, the experts whom we've come to depend on in this dire time, Drs. Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, have been leading, in my opinion, with integrity, with honesty, and with a deep concern for the well-being of our nation and the world. And what we do now will have consequences tomorrow. Now, some people doubt whether this is a real pandemic or just some conspiracy theory cooked up by the people in charge behind the scenes to gain more power and control and dominance over the masses. Well, let me address the truth of this pandemic from my personal experience and people I know. I found out last night one of my friends' father is in the ICU and has contracted the coronavirus. Another high school friend reported to many of us the death of a dear man in her life who died from the virus and also went to our high school. He was 50 years old and he was healthy. A woman I spoke to yesterday in New York, she lives in Long Island, told me how absolutely devastating it is in and around New York City and how many people around her are getting the virus or know of someone who has contracted it. Coronavirus is not a hoax. It's real, it's contagious, and its mortality rate as of today is much higher than the common flu. Now, if we do the right things now, we can sooner rather than later get back to our lives that we, we miss. A little sacrifice for the greater good, and every warrior understands what that means. Just a little sacrifice for the greater good. We have a responsibility to stay healthy and to keep our fellow citizens healthy, too, as best we can. It's part of the social contract we have as being members of a society and nation. Now, there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there floating around in the ethers, and, and, and boy, it's tempting right now to go down those rabbit holes. And please, you know, at a time like this, they prey on people's weaknesses. They prey on their, their anxieties, their fears. And so avoid them as much as possible during these times. They are not helpful. When you're in a crisis, you've got to focus on what's most important. And that's life and its preservation. Health, your health and other people's health. Your family and people's safety and security. That's what's important. And that's what leaders in our government and all positions of government, military, media, and the private sector, they must not stoke the fears, anxieties, and paranoia of the populace. It serves no good purpose and only creates 
chaos. Now, those on the both the extreme left and the extreme right will manipulate the fear, terror, and concern people are experiencing right now for their own benefit, for their cause, their politics, their institutions, their positions in society, their desire to create more chaos and upheaval. These are psychic viruses, and they are just as dangerous as the physical ones. Because they can spread through our media and social media and from person to person, just like a physical virus. And essentially what they want to do is to recruit your will and own it. That's what they want to do. They want to own it. So you don't, can't think for yourself anymore. And then it poisons your mind and it poisons your relationships and it poisons everything. But you have the power of choice. You do. And how to respond to the situation and circumstances which engulf our nation and the globe. There are so many people that are tuning in right now from, across, from all, all around the world. So many different countries. And all of us are in this together. All of us. We are all one. We are all experiencing this crisis together. It's unprecedented. And so it's entirely up to each and every one of us to make a different choice. So stay balanced. Stay centered. Look out into the world and decide how you want to respond to it. Does this have more power over me or do I have power over me? I get to choose how I respond to it. Yeah, it can be scary. It can be frightening. It can be unsettling. It can be nerve-wracking. But you can still choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this beat me down. I'm going to stand up here with a little courage and face these fears, and I'm not going to be sucked into anybody trying to manipulate or, de or destroy my balance, my center. Because anybody who's trying to manipulate you, beware of them. Because when someone's trying to manipulate you, they're, they're, they're trying to make your spirit dance for them. If I want to manipulate somebody, I want to see if I can make their spirit dance for me. And that's what they're going to do. So stay away from that. If you feel in your gut something or someone is trying to employ persuasive tactics through the clever use of their words and fiery speeches or circumstantial evidence that doesn't make sense, trust it. Trust it. This is one of the ways in which your soul talks to you. It wants to keep you safe. Now, everything at this time ought to be looked at with a discerning eye. If it disrupts the balance of that internal guidance system, your conscience, which knows right from wrong, good and evil, steer clear of that disturbance. Walk away. If it creates more chaos and disorder, more anger and more hate, stay away from that too. Because the anger coming from you is coming from you. The hate coming from you is coming from you. Stay away from it. It's not going to help you. If it's not backed by science, evidence, and good data, leave it alone. Be in truth. Stay in the truth. Have faith in a higher power. Be it God, your creator, or the divine, however you, you connect to something greater than yourself. Allow it to guide us through these difficult times and bring all of us out of this on the other side together. Together. Stronger, wiser, healthier, more compassionate, and more cooperative with all the nations of the world. In truth, great leaders rise up to instill courage, confidence, hope, 
faith, integrity, resiliency, and selfless service to others during times like these. We empower others to tap into that deep reservoir inside that knows we will get through this and we will be better for it. Now, times like these test our characters. Do we succumb to our lower nature? Or do we rise up and meet these times with our higher nature? Now, we've seen panic buying of toilet paper, food, ammunition, and even price gouging of much-needed items. All this is motivated by fear. And we've also seen the best in humanity. Doctors and nurses helping the sick and dying, risking their lives to save others. People singing in the city to, to each other to keep up their spirits. And citizens clapping their hands for their first responders and EMTs as they drive by. The commitment by the people of this nation to do what it can to flatten that curve. So which side do you want to be on? We all get to choose how we respond to these times. Our character, individually, collectively, globally, will be forged and purified by the choices we make. So may we all choose wisely. Now, warriors and warriorhood can teach us all about the qualities, characteristics, and virtues needed for times of crises such as ours. Warriors have been tested, and there is so much we can learn from them. And it is my great honor to reintroduce uh, one of our favorite guests on the show of the council. Uh, He's been on the council so many times before, and his knowledge and wisdom and expertise in the ways of the warrior is unmatched. Uh, Dr. Edward Tick is a non-fictional writer and poet. He's a transformational healer, holistic psychotherapist, educator, consultant, and international journey guide. He is also the author of War and the Soul, author of Warrior's Return, and is the director emeritus of Soldier's Heart. Good afternoon, Ed. How are you today? Good afternoon, Charlie. Uh, Considering these challenging times we're in, uh, I'm mobilized. I'm just as we're talking about the purpose of warriors, I want to share with you and I want to call all of our warriors in our audience, in our country, uh, to allow the inner warrior to awaken and mobilize in these times when warriors are needed more than ever before. They really are. Doc, Ed, excuse me, why is the warrior so, so well-suited for times like these? What is it about the warrior that makes him or her just primed for these types of events? Well, if, uh, there's a complex answer. We'll try to cover as much of it as we can. But the very <laughs> beginning of my answer is where war, the word war and warrior and warrior what comes from. The word war comes from the old high German word Veda, which doesn't mean war as we understand it in military terms. It means strife. A warrior is someone who is trained and experienced to, to serve in any kinds of strife. We are in utmost strife now. And as you rightly said in our introduction, uh, warriors 
have been trained for danger, strife, threat, violence, uh, have been put through the test because uh, if they've been deployed, they've been in the combat zone. If they haven't been deployed, they're still trained and ready for it. All warriors made the pledge when they entered into warriorhood to sacrifice their lives if necessary to preserve and protect all our people, society, and the greater good, and warriors are willing to do that. And warriors have also been exposed to severe trauma and violence, and those of us who have come through and healed can handle traumatic situations better. Those who have not uh, are vulnerable, and yet they're still profoundly experienced and can also come forward. Uh, we do expect our traumatic emotions and memories will be triggered now, but to be triggered not because we're walking down the street and we hear cars backfiring, but rather to be triggered because we are being called to greater service because all of our people are in danger. Mm -hmm. So the triggers even themselves are not necessarily bad. The triggers are also calling us into service. So in all of these ways, preparation, training, experience, already having taken the warrior's vow, severe exposure to, tra to trauma, and the core reason for the warrior archetype to even exist, to preserve and to protect the people in times of mm -hmm. crisis and strife. Mm -hmm. For all those reasons, our warriors are profoundly ready, willing, able to, to serve and guide and support through this kind of crisis. Right, and I agree. You know, the you know that was one of the reasons why I joined is because uh, I wanted to preserve and protect and honor life. Uh, it is that sense of uh, a higher calling. You 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 the loyalty to that you feel for the people around you and what they're willing to give and sacrifice, and you run towards that danger. You don't uh, you don't back away from it while others are going. You're you're running into that chaos. You're running into that destruction. You're running into those things to to protect the lives of the people you love the most and care about the most. And you, uh, you, know, you, you understand that life is so precious. It's, it's one of the things that I think warriors is because you live on the, on the edge of life and death, that you understand how precious life really is and how so many people take it for granted. And, and because you've, you've seen the loss of life and, and you've experienced it or whatever, boy, you just know how important it is to protect it and preserve it. And it's just these kinds of qualities, this be ability to be able to see, see an issue, see and be able to have this zero focus. You can zero in on something so clearly and, and being able to dissect it and organize and being able to mobilize different things that I think warriors really have the capabilities and abilities to be able to do some extraordinary things during times of crises. Yes, with extraordinary training and preparation and experience, they are able to stay strategic, present, vigilant, clear-minded, courageous at times of severe threat or crisis when most people will crumble, will lose those abilities and will just want to get out of the danger. Mm -hmm. In recent times in our American history, we've had many examples of this when we've had these tragic mass shootings and people are fleeing in terror for their lives and the veterans in the crowds didn't flee. They turned around and protected the, the high school students who were being shot uh, or, or 
turned around and ran into the guns in uh, in the the, 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 the Las Vegas massacre mm-hmm. in order to preserve and protect others. So the warriors turn around and run into the danger while most people not experienced, not trained, not exposed to such severe violence and trauma run the other way. And we should really pause right now with a shout out to to our entire medical community Mm -hmm. because now they are our frontline warriors. The doctors and the nurses who are there who are doing the same thing warriors do. Mm-hmm. willingly risking their lives, going into the zones of hell and exposing themselves hour after hour after hour, day after day, walking through the suffering and the wounded and the body bags and continuing to serve even though they're risking their life. They are our frontline warriors now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we can do as veterans, as warriors, is because we've been there and we know what they're going through, we can give them extraordinary dimensions of extra support and I do I'm concerned about them profoundly because of the degree of trauma that they're suffering Mm -hmm. during this crisis in addition to that uh, I'm sorry to say that my experience is that the medical system is not well enough prepared for for the personal traumas that they experience while they're caring for the rest of us uh, just before the virus broke out, I lectured to um, uh, what's it called? The United Services University, which is our primary graduate school for training military medical personnel, and they are at the top of the medical game in in emergency services and saving lives that are nearly shattered in dealing with the most difficult dangerous and blood-soaked accidents and tragedies and uh, combat encounters. The one thing they didn't include in our conference, and I was the only one who talked about it, was what happens to you and how do you take care of yourselves and how do you put yourself back together after the traumatic exposure. Mm -hmm. So here is another important and possible service our warriors can give, and I'm not sure how we can do it. Um, We can talk about that in our warriors gathering. Mm-hmm. But how do we get our warrior wisdom about recovery after trauma, self-care and healing after trauma to all of these medical people who really are our frontline workers now? Oh, they are. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, and I've been, because uh, Italy is so close to my heart, being that it's the uh, roots where my, you know, my ancestors, many of my ancestors, half of my ancestors came from with my mom and, and seeing what the devastation that is happening there. And the toll that it's taking on the people and the doctors and the body bags and the things that are happening. And you see that just how it is crushing them. And, and now it's happening in New York. You know, I think uh, uh, it was like 560 some 560 people died today or, you know, and it's just going to and it's just. And how do we, and those doctors and those nurses, you know, you can only take so much of it for a while and then you break down and then they got to keep going. And, and they're, I mean, and it's, I just have the greatest admiration and love for all of them for what they're doing and knowing that uh, they're risking their, them, themselves, their lives for us. And, and, and the doctors, and there's many doctors in Italy that got sick and died because they were treating these people. Yes. Right. Uh, and, and doctors and nurses are dying. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and this 
Go ahead. Now. This projects us, my brother. This this projects us into one of our primary concerns in this conversation to explore the ways that this virus and its uh, tragic consequences are similar to the war zone mm -hmm. and the ways in which it's different from the war zone. Right now, we're exploring the similarity, and uh, I'm flooded with emotion. I've worked with lots of chaplains and docs, mm -hmm. uh, nurses who have been in the sandbox tending our wounded and our fallen, who have been on the planes loaded with the wounded in the body bags, shipping them to, to hospitals in Germany or back home. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, as you just said, is happening in the epicenters mm -hmm. in Italy, in China, in New York City, in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Our doctors and nurses are walking among the body bags. Mm -hmm. In New York, they're piling refrigerator vans full of body bags because there's no way to process them or bury them or even notify their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Same thing in a war zone. Your son or your daughter is overseas and you can't see them when they're wounded or when they're killed and you can't take leave. That's happening now too. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the extent of casualties, the numbers of wounded and dying and dead, the ways that our medical personnel have to be with them and around them all the time, mm -hmm. the ways we as civilians and especially family members, loved ones, can't get to them and can't support them, and the profound separation between the frontline warriors, the medical people, and the victims, and the rest of us way in the back lines just trying to stay safe, that does replicate uh, the combat zone conditions quite severely. Oh, boy, sure does. <laughs> Replicates it very much. And it's just, uh, you know, and, and it's it's happening here. And I think that's one of the hard things that people uh, are, are, are trying to grasp or, or grapple with is that this usually has been something that's been away from us since, you know, we haven't really had something that happened on our shores like this since I think the Civil War, uh, where we've actually are dealing with the you know, death on, yeah, on a larger right. scale. I mean, besides 9-11, yeah, of course, 9-11, but, I mean, this has the potential to really mm -hmm. blow up. Yeah, well, I'm going to say something difficult about that. Uh, yes, we haven't had this on our soil since the Civil War, and we haven't had this numbers of victims on home soil since the Civil War. Uh, our country was a bit um, haughty about... We were attacked at Pearl Harbor because that was our our land, our home, mm -hmm. and over 3,000 of our people were killed. Well, look, our home ground was attacked. We were attacked at 9-11. Again, around 3,000 people mm -hmm. were killed. And we've kind of been proud of that, and it used that as justification. We haven't experienced this on home soil until now. Mm -hmm. And now, this is difficult, but the universe is giving us and our homeland experiences such as others have had that have been ravaged by war and environmental crisis to extreme degrees with thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, uh, ill, wounded, fallen. Now we're experiencing that. And so in a sense, forgive me everybody, but this is, um, it's terrible, but it's like karmic balancing. When were we going to learn what the rest of the world is suffering so hopefully we can wake up to the extreme dimensions of global trauma that are going on and all be in solidarity with the rest of the world together, as you rightly declared during our opening. 
Well, I think it is. One of the things that I think is really important for people to get, and, it's, and we're not here to, to condemn or, 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 or demean anybody. We want to understand that this is a global thing that's happening. It's happening to all of us. And it's not, it, we, are, we are one in, in the sense that this one, one little virus shut down the entire world. And look how interconnected we all are. And if we don't start coming together to solve our problems in reasonable and healthy and logical ways, these things are going to continue to happen to us. And, and we've got to come together and recognize, you know, what, what happens on one side of the planet can happen over here, too. We're all interconnected now. We can't escape that. We can't run from that. And it's going to cause us to rethink how we do things. That's one of the things that I hope this, the, the eventual outcome of this crisis leads to. But, Ed, before we move into that part of the, the uh, conversation, what are some of the responsibilities of warriors during times of crises that make it so unique for warriors? Okay, well, uh, as we said earlier, and let's reiterate it, warriors know trauma, crisis, danger, and threat, and they know how to respond to it in effective ways. Warriors know how to stay, even if they have powerful emotions beating through them, as of course they will in the military and in the war zone, they know how to carry and contain and control those emotions so that they can still act and so they can stay clear-minded and rational. Mm -hmm. They know how to remain vigilant and to live a vigilant life. Mm -hmm. One of the things we work with uh, to heal in our warriors is hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. And yet, all of us need to be hypervigilant right now. And so we can know and practice vigilance as a key survival strategy without letting it drive us crazy, but also uh, maintaining extreme care and caution for ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. uh, Warriors also know about resilience and the conditions that contribute to resilience, and we need these on both the personal and the collective level. Mm -hmm. So resiliency means so many things. Um, and okay, again, in our work with warriors, we work on what enables a person to be resilient and pass through times of crisis. Mm -hmm. Well, it's everything about self-care, from eating well, from getting enough sleep, uh, from having a support system all the way up to the highest levels uh, of human need to have having a spiritual path that you believe in, can work with and work on to help you through, and also to be really strong in community and have a significant and extensive support system. Mm -hmm. Also to make sure that you've worked on your own previous wounding and traumas so that you can handle being in a trauma zone without being triggered and breaking down from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So all of these things uh, are um, characteristics of the warrior that they call on when serving in the military. And now need we all need to find our inner warrior, model these characteristics, and call mm -hmm. on them in this time of crisis. Well, and it's, it's, you know, the, that sense of being able to, uh, you know, be resilient to the things that are going on around you. And it, it is, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I reflect back on the times when I was in the, the, at the academy. And one of the things we had to do, Ed, we had to do uh, SERI training, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. 
And so we had to learn how to survive. Um, and I loved it. It was only one of those things that I absolutely, that was one of my favorite things mm-hmm. that I actually did at the academy in my training. It was because I got to learn how to survive uh, off the land. And to be, you know, when you're stripped of mm-hmm. everything, what can you do? How do you do it? And, and, you, and you learn how, you know, my gosh, what, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat, and what was safe, and how to build a tent, and how to procure water. And it gives you resources mm-hmm. that you didn't realize you had. And then when you have your freedom stripped mm-hmm. away from you and you turn around and you come back and you after the, 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 those, and you see how precious our freedoms are and how life is so precious that we take things so much for granted. But it gives you a resiliency that is, enables you to survive things that come up. And so all of a sudden, warriors, like my dad, he, you know, whenever a crisis came around, we always went to him. Because he had that experience of being able to handle, you know, like a crisis, traumatic experiences, profound ones. But we felt safe. And if the warriors who have been, we feel safe with them if they're given the opportunity to be able to uh, to lead, to 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 take charge, to be a part, take part in the, in society and and in that community and given that opportunity to show what they have inside of them. Yeah. And uh, I'll add an. Another lesson from warriors uh, that you reminded me of talking about your dad. My dad is also a veteran, served at the end of World War II. And one of the most important lessons he imparted was the warrior vision of life. Uh, right, he, he died two years ago. Now, and he said it many times. Uh, well, what, do you, what did you expect? Right. He was a profoundly realistic man. Because of his, his parents were traumatized uh, survivors of the pogroms in, in Russia and Poland. He had a very realistic worldview that there's going to be violence, there's going to be stress, uh, there's going to be conflict, um, and uh, and he he um, inherited and reinforced that worldview with his depression and World War II experiences. Look at life clearly, carefully, openly. This is built into life. This is not, we uh, abnormal, and we work with our warriors this way too, you and I, Charlie, to normalize trauma. Mm -hmm. Like as Buddha said, life is suffering. Mm -hmm. Trauma will be there. Uh, George Orwell, who was trying to warn us about times like this, said it takes constant struggle to see what's right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. So keeping our eyes wide open and accepting a difficult and courageous vision of reality, that reality brings us this also. It's not abnormal. It's been part of the human and the cosmic experience uh, forever. And so we need to see that, to know that, and like your father and my father, move through it with inner strength and courage and no denial oh yes mobilizing what what we need from each other to respond to this and uh you know being able to uh you know like you talked about buddha he uh you know he understood that uh all life was uh was suffering life was dukkha dukkha suffering and uh, in order to be able to move through it you know you're going to have to be able to learn how to stay centered and stay balanced 
and that change is constant. Change is going to happen, you know, and it's going to, and not to get caught into those kinds of spectacles, but you want to be able to move through that, those, those periods of suffering and help others to find their way to be able to move through it as well and not to get drawn in and not to get mm-hmm. sucked into that. But those were one of those things that you, all, you had to grasp the concept and understanding that life is constantly changing. It's constantly moving. And what is going on today uh, won't be this way tomorrow. This too shall pass. I think that's in the, in the Bible. Those are, uh, those are tools that our religious foundations gave us in order to help us to move through these things. Um, I want to, before we go on to the, I want to make sure we talk about the, uh, the call again here at the midpoint in our show. Uh, there is, we're going to do an online gathering uh, for uh, Dr. Tick and I. Uh, we'll be co-facilitated by uh, Ed and, uh, and I, and I, if you would like to join, uh, there'll be a lot of elder warriors that are committed to healing this service to call. It's during these times of global crisis, we call upon our sisters and brothers to join us in an online gathering of warriors. Our purposes are to share and provide guidance and support to each other during these times, these crisis times, and to explore ways we can offer wisdom and service to our loved ones, communities, and world. Warriors are best in crisis. Warriors are needed more than ever. There is no external human enemy. We must unite to protect and serve our common humanity. So please email Dr. Tick or me to inform us of your interest. Uh, we will email you with information to join this gathering in the near future. Dr. Tick's email is D-R-E-D-T-I-C-K at gmail.com. That's Dr. Ed Tick at gmail.com. And mine is Charles Pacello at gmail.com. So, uh, Doc, is it accurate or inaccurate to describe the crisis as akin to wartime? Should we be at war with the virus or, you know, what are the consequences uh, to our worldview, having that idea? This is really important, and here's an opportunity for global transformation if we can be wise and compassionate enough. Uh, we know that President Trump has declared this a war and declared him a wartime president, himself a wartime president. He's wanted that status forever. Well, he's, he thinks he's got it. Um, and we have compared these conditions, uh, especially in our large uh, cities in the epicenters, as akin to the combat zone, and there are many similarities. Mm -hmm. However, I want to quote one of our other veterans I was speaking with about this yesterday. Uh, He was a SEAL, and so he's been through some of the most difficult forms of service, and he just blurted out, B.S., Anybody who calls this the same as the combat zone doesn't know what they're talking about because they don't know combat and they haven't been there. So it's really important to talk about the differences in the combat zone and the dangers also of considering this um, to be like the war zone. Uh, We discussed the similarities. Well, differences. There is no human threat except breathing on each other. But everybody can do that. Everyone has to be responsible for the social distancing. But there's nobody out there shooting at me or you or trying to kill us. It isn't uh, a humanly um, motivated crisis. 
There's nobody out there trying to take our land, trying to take our money, trying to take us off as slaves. So it's not the same as a war zone that way. We are not in the kill or be killed situation. I want to live through this. I want everybody to live through this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not you and me based off, Charlie, and one of us is going to live and the other one is going to die. That's not. No. There are no battlefields. There are zones of terrible suffering like our cities. It's not the same as a battlefield where people are, are blowing up the houses and trying to kill each other, using civilians for targets or any of that. There's no human enemy and there's no evil intention. So these are ways that is significantly different from the war zone. And the danger to us of, of um, conceiving it as a war and the virus is the enemy and war, war with the enemy is it keeps us in the old world and the old way of conceiving things that we've been uh, in the patriarchy, that we, the ways we've been thinking in combat and competition uh, with each other for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And we need to change that way of thinking. We have had the war on drugs and the war on poverty and the war on terrorism. And God help us, we're always at war with something. And mm -hmm. the virus is not an evil other trying to hurt us. It's nature trying to rebalance itself after we've fallen out of terrible balance mm -hmm. and abuse the planet, abuse nature, abuse um, the natural uh, protective and corrective system that exists in nature and in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So here we are being challenged in a huge way. Um, there's a wonderful piece circulating on the internet called uh, A Letter from the Coronavirus. <laughs> it's all about this. It's about, uh, I sent you the floods, I sent you the droughts, I sent you the fires. You didn't stop what you were doing. You didn't listen. You were safe. Most of you were safe then. Well, now it's you. Now it's humanity. Now you're all in danger. Now do you get it? Now will you stop your old ways and start to be cooperative? Clean yourselves up. Clean the planet. Restore the balance. And stop competing and killing each other. And finally, cooperate with compassion and love and understanding and work on this together, come mm -hmm. together as one. Well, I so think really, it's not right to conceive of it as a war and we're at war with the virus and competing with other countries for who gets the goods. Yeah. No, no more. This should end conflict. And uh, bless him, the uh, Secretary General of the United Nations has put out a call. I don't know how many people have heard mm -hmm. this, but he's put out a call to all countries to end their military conflict now and instead together as allies to sorry to use the word combat the virus mm -hmm. to join together to uh, transform the virus and for all of us to, to heal our planet together so don't think of it as a war think of it as a call to global cooperative action and rebalancing nature so as is partially happening. The water in the air is cleaning itself because we're not polluting it. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in some places cleaning rather quickly. Mm -hmm. Cities that have been completely smog choked and people have been unable to walk, well, there hasn't been driving for two weeks or three weeks or a month there. And the air is clean and people can walk and breathe again. Mm -hmm. The canals in Venice are reported cleaner than they have been in 20 or 30 years. Just after a few weeks of 
no pollution. So the opportunity to not, again, not be at war, but be in cooperation to find out what heals and protects people and how we have to clean up our planet and accept this moment that we're in and it has to be, uh, forgive me everybody, but not rushing back to business as usual as quickly as possible mm -hmm. as leadership and the economists uh, want to do, but rather really embracing this world transforming event, allowing the old ways to die that didn't serve us and together creating new ways that serve us all, protect each other and protect our planet. That's what's called for. That's what's the huge, what it, in my mind is the huge opportunity here and why we need to not say it's a war. Well, I agree that this is a major opportunity for us to live and to recreate a world uh, that uh, allows everyone to experience its blessings, its bounty, its abundance, its joy. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be predicated on how each one of us responds to it. And, and you're right that uh, nature is going to automatically bring things back into balance. It's the laws of the universe. Everything's run on laws. And the laws of the universe, laws of nature. And if you go too far in one direction, okay, if you go too far, I'm going to say you go too far to the left, or you go too far to the right, life is going to pull you back into the center. It's going to just do it. It's automatic. It's the way it is because it's always seeking balance. It's always seeking harmony. It wants to keep that afloat. And so if we're not in tune with our own nature and we're not in tune with our own harmony, it's, we're, we're going to be continually confronted with these things until we get back into that balance. It's, it's not personal. It's the laws. And so once we can understand that, we can make better decisions and better choices. However, you know, yes. I think it was Heraclitus who said that war is the father of all things. Right, Doc? Didn't he say that? Yes. So I, I, he used that word strife, but he, he used strife. strife. Okay. He didn't use polemos, <laughs> which is the Greek word. He said he was he was saying cosmic strife. Got it. The constant clashing of the universals of the dark and the light, the good and the bad, the hot and the cold, the up and the down. Uh, he was talking about cosmic conflict, not human military warfare. Got it's it. It's different. Got and it. That's been misinterpreted. And I was also thinking of Heraclitus at the same moment. Uh, wow. <laughs> audience may know that both of us are Philelins. We yeah. love studying and quoting the Greeks together. Yeah. Another quote from, so understanding that the universe has given us conflict and strife and crisis and that it is meant to destroy the old order, but not in order to destroy us, but to wipe out, as you said, what is out of balance and what is harming the whole so that we can evolve into a new world order that's more in balance. Heraclitus also said that the Furies would even strike the sun if the sun stretched out of its own proper measure. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's, it's not only human beings that have to be in balance, but it's also the earth mm -hmm. and all of the natural ways. And, the, the, and nature will rebel against itself to put itself back in balance. Mm -hmm. And nature will rebel against us to demand that we learn to live in balance again. And that is the kind of strife Heraclitus was saying is always here, will never go away, and is actually the source of the eternal cycles of uh, 
destruction and recreation that we're now in part of. And it is very hard for us to embrace that we are in apocalypse. We are in the part of the eternal cycle that is the, the destruction and the recreation. We don't know what the recreation is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll all be here to do a good job. Mm-hmm. One of the one of my sources of faith is that if we human beings really mess up, well, we'll kill our species off. But good news, the cockroaches and the coyotes will still be here. <laughs> they can adapt. <laughs> and, and, and we're not strong enough to destroy all of life. No. We're not that No, we're not. We're not. No. Uh, you know, it, it, it just, it's, it's true. You know, these are, these are impersonal forces uh, that happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, in, in order to help people to, to I guess, get a, a deeper context and understanding, it's, it's kind of similar to like the law of the bullet, right? Where uh, a lot of, uh, in, in, in Vietnam and the Asian cultures, it was, they, have, they, they, they had that Buddhist tradition and understanding that, you know, the, the, there was a law. There was a karmic law that was connected to the bullet and that, it was very impersonal, and this pandemic is impersonal. The virus itself is not even a, a live organism. It's not even. It's kind of right in between uh, uh, life and death. The only way it survives is if it's living in, an, in a host, in a, in, a, in a live person, or in another. You know, to keep what them going. Um, it needs us. It needs us to survive. It needs us. Right. Yes. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. so there's nothing yeah. personal about yeah. it. And yet, when your loved one is infected by it, and or you or someone or, or you're infected by it, or somebody you know is love and is dying of it, then it becomes very personal, you know. And then then it's very much you're like you're really connected to this. Does understanding these kinds of laws, these the the, the, the nature of life, does this help us to build the resiliency we need uh, to be to be able to be fearless in the face of the sickness and death that we are? are witnessing right now. Sure it does. Sure it does. We need a higher spiritual vision and consciousness in order to be resilient. One of the key ingredients of resiliency is that spiritual vision, that understanding of, of the higher power and the, the ways of the universe and fitting ourselves into it, into it. We both know how many of our warriors signed up, uh, enlisted, and even volunteered for combat duty out of revenge. They took it personally. Mm-hmm. Well, you killed my best friend in high school, so I hate you, and I'm going to sign up and go overseas and try to kill you and get revenge. Uh, can we say that to a protein? <laughs> I hate you, and I'm going to kill you and get revenge because you did this to, to the, somebody I love? No. It doesn't work. But what does work is understanding we are living koyana squatsi uh the hopi word for life out of balance mm-hmm. and the universe uh, the universe will seek to balance itself and this is one of the very sad painful tragic ways it has to rebalance uh but sure it's sure gotten everybody's attention and making us take this crisis really seriously and not putting other things like money making in front of it and there too, when leadership in our country or anywhere else says uh, human life and, and nature are not important, the most important thing is making money, it doesn't matter how many people are gonna die if we go back to our economy, then we're being betrayed, and that is the same kind of betrayal that our 
warriors feel in the combat zone and in the military when leadership lies to them and betrays them and really doesn't take care of them. Mm -hmm. So there too, we are, we do have more severe trauma whenever leadership misleads us, lies to us, minimizes or disguises the problem. Yeah. And we all know that we have experienced that. And as you said in the opening, we absolutely need leaders to be of integrity, telling us the truth and not believing or trusting them when they don't, but looking really searching hard for the truth mm -hmm. internally mm -hmm. in our society and in the ways of nature mm -hmm. and when we have that well the truth shall set us free <laughs> uh, it, does. Including, <laughs> it does it does it really does <laughs> and look at your beautiful smile you're one who has embraced the deep difficult truth that you live and you know it leads to liberation it does it's a long journey but it does it really does. Uh, and, and, you know, being, uh, you know, we're talking about truth and how important that is. And, you know, it, we are in a really interesting paradox right now in that, you know, the, the erosion of trust in our governments and institutions and professionals and experts and political leaders has been steadily on the decline since the 1960s and the Vietnam War. Uh, and now all of a sudden we are all dependent upon our governments and our world leaders to tell us the truth and not to politicize it, to tell us the truth. Our lives and the lives of our loved ones are at stake. People are dying. And in order to galvanize a nation and a world community to action, I think you got to have, uh, Doc, I think you got to have two things. One, I think you got to have consistency in your message, consistency in the messaging and to speak the truth. The as the best you know, to speak the truth that you know. And, Ed, how vulnerable are we in this moment? You know, you've studied, uh, studied this a lot, and you experienced the time when, you know, our, our country was torn apart uh, by the Vietnam War. How vulnerable are we in this moment in time to trust in our governments around the world that have consistently lied to us and betrayed us, and now we are dependent upon them to tell us the truth and the facts? And can this abyss be overcome? Don't we have an opportunity for that to be at least healed in some respect? Well, that's our opportunity now. We don't know if uh, we will survive this, really. Uh, but the worst that can happen is we won't survive. Um, gun sales are up all over the country. Mm -hmm. Gun sales are up in some countries overseas. Some autocratic rulers um, in our country and overseas are, as you warned us, using this crisis uh, to consolidate power, to manipulate the public, to take everybody's collective will away. Um, and there is significant profiteering going on. So these are some of the negative consequences. And the way lust, greed, selfishness, uh, the hunger for profits are still controlling many people. But the Secretary General is calling the whole world to disarm. The earth is cleaning itself. We are, have been forced on lifestyle changes that are actually good for us and good for the planet. Uh, maybe we're paying off some karmic debt because we've abused each other and the earth for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting this message from the universe to stop the old ways we're doing things. Mm -hmm. And we really have to be extremely vigilant, working together and trusting each other and determining who in leadership is trustworthy and who not. Mm -hmm. And there's the, the old phrase from the activist movement, if the people lead, the leaders will follow. 
-hmm. Well, we hope so. Uh, our president said we're going back to normal Easter, but then he backtracked maybe the first time. And it was because 90% of the country said, no, we can't go back in Easter. We're all in danger. Well, and, and, and the people, people, you know, and then I also uh, attribute to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Bix as well. I think their leadership yeah, has been them. really, right. really We do. have responsible yeah. truth. We have some responsible truth-telling leadership. Yes. And we have enough of the public taking this seriously so that truth broke through to the Oval Office a little bit to yeah. declare that this is a much more serious crisis than we realized. So there's some hope that we're, it's even possible to to uh, penetrate the most um, petrified forms of consciousness and bring about change for the better of, of us all. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, we're having to come into, uh, we're in a, also um, in a dilemma between what's a lie and what's a truth, you know, and, and we're, we, we've, we've become so accustomed to, in our culture and, and everywhere, that we just expect people to lie to us now. And how unfortunate is that, Doc? We just expect people to lie to us. Everybody just does. And there was a time where we, when, we, when a man gave his word or a woman gave her word, they meant it. They kept it. You know, a word was your bond, that kind of a thing. And now we're in this whole thing, because there's a lot of people in this country that don't believe this is in this pandemic. It's a hoax. It's a lie. It's a distortion. I mean, have we become so anesthetized to the truth? Have we become so accustomed to lying? And how can warriorhood and this coronavirus crisis help to restore our faith in the truth and start to believe in each other's word again? Is it possible? So it's possible. There's no guarantee, but it's possible. <laughs> so many of our warriors have come out uh, after their military service, and you're one of them, bless you, telling the truth every way they can to the public. This mm -hmm is an, a, a product of this, of you having been a warrior, lied to, having to go through your own um, challenging transformation and come out the other side, and, uh, with being a, being a witness to the truth and setting up uh, media like this very program to, to do everything we can to get the truth out to people. So, yeah, we have to have a groundswell from warriors and from civilians demanding the truth telling each other the truth finding every way small and large to speak and write and sing and shout the truth mm -hmm. and we have to maybe want you part of perhaps put your finger on one of our deepest collective wounds and that is the loss of truth and the loss of the ability to discern it mm -hmm. and without that there's no foundation, no foundation. We're all in the abyss. Mm -hmm. So we have to restore truth and the meaning of truth and our dependence on it to build, to rebuild a foundation in which we can all live. I agree. I so agree because I think this is one of the biggest. And we're going to go up just a little bit, uh, Doc. Can you stay with me just for another five minutes, ten minutes? Is that all right? Yeah, uh, I, I think, yeah. uh, Henry, we're going to go for yes. just a little bit longer if that's all right, just because I want to – I want to be able to get this uh, two more questions in because um, this is a this is a major collective and individual trauma that we are going through. It's it's a huge one uh, that's occurring. It's on an epic scale. It's it's literally on a global scale. 
And, you know, I, I originally thought it was like uh, kind of like a soft, uh, I almost wrote it, uh, but like a soft nuclear war. You know, we all were kind of going into our whole little, uh, you know, shelters and we're having to bunker down and hunker down. I mean, it's like this, what, you know, it, it's like warning us. This is, this is, this is a soft one because you're going to get out of this soon. But this is what it could be like in, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, and so we've got this opportunity and we've got two options to grow our souls big enough, large enough to contain and hold the wound. And so that we can create a different kind of a world uh, and, and we get the whole global community together or we're going to fall into that hole of our small ego centered uh, self uh, and, you know, I guess my question to you, Ed, is this. How do we grow our souls during this time? What are some of the steps each of us can take today, all of us, individually, can take today, no matter where you are in the world, to grow our souls so big that this wound, this global wound, doesn't consume us? We return to the absolute necessity of having a higher spiritual and moral vision. We, every one of us needs that. Whatever your form of higher power is, or even if you're atheist, you have to mm -hmm. have a comprehensive cosmological vision that uh, all this fits into to sustain you through this. Please, just like we teach, both you and I, Charlie, teach, uh, when we're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, don't make the mistake of reducing it to all of its symptoms. Mm -hmm. But look at the deep collective wound that causes the symptoms. These, it's the soul screaming through the symptoms. This is the same. It's not only the medical crises that other human beings are in. It's the global crisis that we are all in that's affecting everyone. So think that way. Uh, the activist community has the, the phrase, think globally, act locally. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Think globally and see how this is part of the world story that we're all in, and the universe is no longer allowing any of us to avoid it. Even during, well, you said it's like a soft nuclear war. Of course, in a nuclear exchange, everybody on the planet, everything on the planet is <laughs> radiated and affected and wiped out. Uh, we've had world wars, mm -hmm. but some countries stayed neutral and were able to a little bit avoid the impact. No more. Nobody can stay neutral. Nobody can avoid the impact. There's a wonderful uh, short story, wonderful, terrible short story of Edgar Allan Poe. You may remember it. Mm. The Mask of the Red Death. Blake mm. came to the community. All the wealthy people in the community fled the plague and sealed themselves into a castle and they were sure they were going to ride out the plague while all the poor folks outside in the town were going to get wiped out. Mm. But there's no riding this out. It gets in everywhere. The Red Death got in and took the rich, haughty, uh, self-satisfied people as well. And that's happening now too. World leaders and rock stars and athletes, famous multimillionaire athletes are also being afflicted. Mm -hmm. There's no escape. So being in this global vision that we are all in this together, there is no one, it, no human is the enemy, and we are all equally vulnerable. 
And we all are called on not to just sink into our private shelters and try to hide out so that we and our loved ones get through, but -hmm. find ways to reach out through social distancing to find new ways to connect and help and support each other. Sing to each other, read mm-hmm. to each other. This is National Poetry Month. Get <laughs> online like this and read poems to each other. Right. Do soulful things. Uh, Philharmonic orchestras from all over the world are online from their solitude, playing from their private rooms, but together giving co- free concerts to the world. Mm-hmm. Find ways reaching out and being part of the collective. You and I, Charlie, both teach when we're to bring our, our veterans, our warriors home, mm-hmm. that the key, the recipe for coming home and healing is spirituality in community. Mm-hmm. That's true right now. Embrace your soul, be on your spiritual path, be in community, drench in the arts, mm-hmm. drench in brotherhood and sisterhood, reach out beyond your solitude in every small and large way you can to help each other through make this a soulful journey make this a vision quest for the planet for all of us absolutely Uh, folks thank you for tuning in today I I just want to really go out and um, remind everybody that we have a call to warriors during this crisis Uh, warriors are those sworn to preserve and protect Warriors run into danger and service to their people while to their people while others flee. Warriors are best suited to respond to times of crisis and threat because they have been trained for it. They've already served in the zones of hell and their purpose is to serve and sacrifice for the good of others. And at this time, because warriors have been exposed to violent threats, they are vulnerable to experience increased trauma and breakdown. And during this time of global crisis, we call upon our sisters and brothers to join us in an online gathering of warriors. The purposes are to share and provide guidance and support to each other during these, to- these crisis times and to explore ways we can offer wisdom and service to our loved ones, communities, and world. Warriors are best in crisis. Warriors are needed more than ever. There is no external human enemy. We must unite to protect and serve our common humanity. Our online gathering will be co-facilitated by Dr. Ed Tick and myself. If you would like to find more information about that, email uh, Dr. Tick. His email is d-r-e-d-t-i-c-k at gmail.com. That's Tick at gmail.com. Or my email is Charles Pacello, that's all one word, C-H-A-R-L-E-S, P is in Peter, A-C-E-L-L-O, at gmail.com. I want to thank KUHS Denver for hosting the council. Henry, thank you so much for all that you do in the back. And everybody here, KUHS The Stream. We are broadcasting live here in Denver, Colorado, and broadcasting all across the nation uh, all and all across the world, we are being listened to by over 40 and 50 countries, uh, people in Italy and Greece and Iran and uh, uh, India and uh, Asia and, and all over Germany and, and England and Scotland and down in Brazil. Thank you so much for all for, for all those who tune in and listen to the show. 
May, thank you for, for trusting in me to bring you the best programs that I can. And, and I stand with all of you in your challenges and your trials. We will get through this together. Uh, Ed, is there anything you would like to say before we close out the show today? Just as we said, my brother, we are all equally vulnerable. No one is the enemy. We are all in this together. And this can be an opportunity for healing our schisms, stopping our forms of war, and letting the universal strife be the father of, of all, but not what uh, we do to harm each other. Mm-hmm. So the, we are in crisis. We are in apocalypse. The great opportunity is that we can all work together for an extraordinary rebirth that will serve all of us, serve the world, serve the planet. So let, let's all be devoted to that that beautiful mission. Warriors need mission missions, and this is our mission to I absolutely 100% agree. <laughs> uh, Ed, thank you so much for, for joining us on this very critical and crucial show uh, out there while we're doing the, uh, having this pandemic and crisis in the world. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, and look forward to all the warriors who are going to join us. We will continue to be uh, a, a beacon of hope and, uh, and truth and light and love and joy and honesty and courage for all of you out there. Uh, I want to read a, a close out with a, a poem by Clarissa Pincola Estes. It's a poem called Refusing, Refuse to Fall Down. Refuse to Fall Down. If you cannot refuse to fall down, refuse to stay down. If you cannot refuse to stay down, lift your heart towards heaven. And like a hungry beggar, ask that it be filled. And it will be filled. You may be pushed down. You may be kept from rising. But no one can keep you from lifting your heart toward heaven. Only you. It is in the middle of misery that so much becomes clear. The one who says nothing good came of this is not yet listening. Thank you, folks, so much for tuning into the council today. I wish you all to be very to be safe, stay healthy, stay strong. We will be back in two weeks. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. God bless.